Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everybody, and this is a very special show. I know I've said that before, but this one is super special. If you're inspired by innovative technologies, if you care about people, all people across the world, if you believe that the world is a beautiful place and we are fortunate to be alive in the 21st century and collectively we have the capacity to accelerate human flourishing for all and you know that business can be a force for good and that the young leaders of tomorrow feel driven to align themselves to a greater purpose, please stay tuned. I've just come back from a beautiful and uplifting experience and I wanted to share highlights with you. I bring many voices into this episode as I took my recording gear with me. And you'll hear from the participants, why they were there, what inspired them at that very moment in the present time and what was inspiring them for the future. I'd like to give a shout out and special thanks to a number of people who sat down with me to offer their perspectives. Marta Ceroni, John Ehrenfeld, Mona Mottazian, Sheila Killian, Robert Murray and Amelia Andraja Janur. Thank you all so much. Now the event I'm talking about is the fourth global forum. It was at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio, and hosted by the Fowler Centre for Business as an Agent of World Benefit and Aim to Flourish. Now you're going to learn more about those organisations as I go through the show and introduce my guests. So just picture this, 300 highly conscious people in the room, many reconnecting. So there was lots of hugging and laughter and many were making connections for the first time with people that they knew only by reputation or virtually, it was joyful. We were excited to come together to inquire into the topic of discovering flourishing enterprise, the key to great performance. We discovered what that meant to each of us, where we had experienced flourishing in our lives in the past. We dreamt what a flourishing future could be for all, and we rolled up our sleeves in working group to design how we might accelerate this mission of business as an agent of world benefit. We created prototypes to bring our dreams to life, and then it was all about the action, the commitments that we made to amplify this very important work. Roberta Baskin, who's stepping aside after leading Aim to Flourish for three years, tells the story of how this process works in practice. Oh, wow, a lot of flourishing faces out there. Hello, flourishing face. Um, this has been in the works since 2014 at the Third Global Forum. And many of you were in the room when we cooked it up. And, and it began with a question that David Cooper Ryder asked, 
which was, you know, how might we discover and celebrate businesses all over the planet, business as an agent of world benefit? And um, really interesting question to me because I had spent my entire career as an investigative reporter looking for companies that were involved in corporate misconduct. So my passion was bad companies. And David flipped a switch on me. Now my, my husband back there, Jim, used to call me bad news Baskin. Um, yeah, bad news for short. That has completely changed through appreciative inquiry. And what we cooked up, what we designed, and, and I said, nobody leave this room until I have 20 volunteers. So remember that in your working groups. Ask for volunteers, get names and phone numbers on the list. And Jonas back there challenged us to come up with a plan that we would present at the UN Global Compact 15th anniversary at the United Nations where we needed to have a website and we needed to have professors out there and students discovering these businesses all over the planet, business as an agent of world benefit. The uniqueness and beauty of this forum was the diversity of the people in the room, all united in the mission of business as a force for good in the world. United in this mission were global thought leaders from academia, from a host of different business enterprises that range from multinationals to startups. There were entrepreneurs from for-profit and not-for-profit organizations. There were multi-millionaire philanthropists in the room. There were professors and business students and organization development practitioners and consultants. I come here as a person uh, with great interest um, for business approaches to making the world a better place, but also from an organizational perspective, because uh, my organization is focused on a, a different uh, type of leadership in business and organizations in general. And so I'm very curious to, to see what is the community uh, discussing here and what's emerging in terms of new ideas and ways to really communicate um, the common dream that we have, but uh, that is sometimes articulated in, in, in different ways, in different environments, and we tend to forget that maybe it's the same dream. For, I don't know, five or six years on the whole development of this notion of, of, of flourishing as the best manifestation of, of world benefit a more um, definitive way of, of thinking about it. So I'm, I'm here as a long-term member of the team. I was really excited to come to this forum. I have an organizational development background and I've been using appreciative inquiry in my work. And this was an opportunity for me to come to the US and, and be with family and also come to this forum and be at an official AI event and where appreciative inquiry is being used to transform and, and support businesses and, and to learn from other businesses and other practitioners. These are overlapping circles that are interested in the idea of responsible management education and education for the greater good, and so it's natural to be here in that sense. The thing that brought me here was the opportunity to attend and also facilitate appreciative inquiry, because I'm finding that appreciative inquiry is one of the thing, one of the best ways to make a whole system change very, very quickly. 
I've participated in a couple of events where people created something in a couple of hours that would normally take months in a normal business situation. And that really excites me. The way people get engaged, they get excited, uh, they participate, they use their whole selves in the development of new ideas, and they get enthusiastic because it's ideas that they created. The appreciative inquiry methodology guided the forum design and our process. After all, we were in the home of Appreciative Inquiry, where it was co-created with David Cooperider and his dissertation professor, Suresh Srivastva. Populated throughout the three days, we celebrated and applauded the Flourish Prize winners. Here's Roberta again. So the Flourish Prizes, we're going to be showing you these 17 businesses that are innovations around the world that students have discovered for us that we are shining a bright light on with the inaugural Flourish Prizes. To be awarded a Flourish Prize, it required a trifecta, comprising a for-profit business, an academic institution, and business students. Number one, the businesses were innovatively producing solutions to one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. And number two, the professors in the business schools around the world who embraced this initiative in their leadership curriculum. And number three, the business students who moved out of the classroom to discover these enterprising businesses and publish stories about their contributions in achieving one of the SDGs. Professor Amelia, in a business school in Indonesia, proudly brought two winning teams with her. Her students embraced the Aim to Flourish curriculum and won two of the flourishing prizes. One prize was for SDG number two, that is zero hunger, and the second prize went to a group of students working on SDG number 12, which is responsible consumption and production. Here is Professor Amelia. Uh, Isabel introduced me to this Aim to Flourish, and ever since my students were so excited to join yeah, this quest of finding business really, that is really flourishing. And then two of the stories become the winner. Uh, one is the, for the SDG number two, which is uh, Zero Hunger, and the, the other one is for SDG number 12, which is Responsible Consumption and Production. And so the number two is uh, talking about a business enterprise who is helping the farmers to really uh, increase the yields of the uh, organic rice uh, until it's like three times, and then helping the farmers to get uh, a better, you know, and everything. So they get paid better, better uh, technology of farming, organic method, and all this thing. And so he has made uh, lots of difference uh, in the life of the farmers. Yes. And the uh, number 12 is about the uh, company who is making plastic out of tapioca. So it, it is uh, biodegradable and it's really changing the whole, uh, you know, uh, idea about plastic be, be, uh, being not biodegradable before, right? 
and a bit more about the role of students in Aim to Flourish, here's Roberta. The students were like an army, an army of detectives, really, um, discovering these businesses and using appreciative inquiry. And sort of our, our little secret internal thing about this is AIM, the number two, flourish. AIM is the appreciative inquiry methodology that, that we are also teaching across the planet. And the feedback that we get from students is that it changes the trajectory of how they think about their careers. These are the next business leaders. We're not counting on government to achieve the SDGs. We're counting on all of you, flourishing enterprises, professors of business education, students, the next business leaders who are going to achieve the global goals. Now bringing in the voice of one of the students who has been impacted by this experience. It's just uh, it's really inspiring seeing such a dedicated congregation of individuals who all believe that compassion is what's going to transform sustainable growth into truly progressive growth. And bringing the third member of this trifecta, a business, and in this case, a business who invented the solution to iron deficiency with the lucky iron fish, which supported SDG number three, good health. Thank you so much. Um, and wow, what an incredible group of people here. It's really an honor to be recognized for integrating the SDGs into our business model. Um, and I just wanted to let you know that about 2 billion people worldwide actually suffer from iron deficiency anemia. It's the most common micronutrient issue in the world, predominantly affecting women of reproductive age and children under the age of five. It's actually estimated by the World Bank that iron deficiency costs the global GDP $70 billion a year because it reduces people's ability to work by 20%. The current solutions aren't working because iron deficiency rates have continued to increase across the globe. Uh, so we as a company said we need to do something about this. Um, and the solution isn't a complex one, it's a simple, elegant solution which is the lucky iron fish. So simply cooking with this releases a significant portion of your daily required iron intake into your cooking food or your drinking water. And we also provide one fish for every purchase to a community in need. We've actually distributed over 150,000 fish spanning five different continents. Uh, and if you'd like to get one today, get in touch with me. Okay, wonderful, thank you. And that is just one amazing example of a business that's working across the world with students and their professors in helping to achieve the sustainable development goals. There were very special guests and dignitaries who introduced each of the winning teams. Hello, I'm Ariana Huffington, founder and CEO of Thrive Global. And the global goal I care most about is number three ensuring healthy lives and promoting well-being for all people of all ages. And so I'm proud to announce the 2017 Flourish Prize for Gold 3 goes to Lucky Ironfish, which helps people suffering from iron deficiency. All you have to do is simply drop the Lucky Ironfish into a cooking pot and it delivers essential iron to combat anemia. Congratulations to Lucky Ironfish. I'm Lisa Kinko, CEO and Executive Director of the United Nations Global Compact. Sustainable Development Goal 17 celebrates the partnerships and collaboration 
that will make the promise of Agenda 2030 a reality for people and planet. I'm pleased to announce the 17 Flores Prize for Goal 17 is awarded to Empowered. Empowered is a solar-like company working in partnership with two nonprofits, New Cause and Maasai Wilderness Conservation Trust to help women in Kenya rise out of poverty and achieve independence by selling solar lanterns. Congratulations to Empowered. Yes. Hello, my name is Bart Fulahi and I am one of the co-founders of B-Lab, the nonprofit behind the B Corps movement. Thanks for including me in the Aim to Flourish Award ceremony. I care most about global goal number eight, providing for inclusive, sustainable economic growth and decent work for all. It's my great honor to award the 2017 Flourish Prize for goal number eight to CINIA, a social enterprise in Mexico. CINIA hires workers who have a variety of physical and mental disabilities and helps them be productive members of society. Congratulations, CINIA. I cannot speak highly enough of the design of the forum. It was totally first class. And the lead facilitator was John Berghoff of the Flourishing Leadership Institute. He was outstanding. We had speakers tell their stories of flourishing enterprises. We workshopped in our working groups following the appreciative inquiry process to discover, dream, design and deliver on what flourishing means for our collective future. Claire Summer, who's the incoming leader of Aim to Flourish, explains what the Aim to Flourish working group would convene around and she entices others to join in. I had the good fortune to co-facilitate the Aim to Flourish group with my colleague and hero, Professor Lindsay Godwin of the Cooper Ryder Centre for Appreciative Inquiry at Champlain College. We're looking for your help to dream and discover and deploy something better, something bigger, something that we haven't even yet imagined. We have a couple of clues where those questions lie. They include curriculum design and development to take us from where we are today to where we could be. We're looking for help designing how might we really truly engage with business leaders around the world to bring them into Aim to Flourish in a more powerful way. And two final thoughts. We want the new ideas we haven't thought about for making breakthroughs with mainstream media so that the 600 stories we have today, especially the 17 Flourish Prizes winners who you'll be meeting in the next two days, so that more people can know about them. And then finally, how do we use these stories to truly transform business itself? Is it impact investing? Is it these consciousness mindset shifts? In any case, you'll have already seen that there's a lot of intersections and alignments between the working group, but our group is going to have, I hope, a lot of the young people that we've brought from the four corners of the world. And if you want to hear it directly from the mouths and hearts of tomorrow's leaders, we urge you and invite you to come to the Aim to Flourish working group. Thanks. So what does flourishing enterprise mean? Um, I think when I think of a flourishing world, 
It really does come down to having that unity in diversity and appreciating our diverse backgrounds and really all of us collaborating and each, each of us having our place in that collaboration. It doesn't have to look exactly the same how we contribute, but each of us being able to have a place in that contribution to, to creating that. The flourishing concept is the uh, actually the foundation of our uh, spiritual teaching. So when you do business, it has to be business that is mutually beneficial. So we're doing business not for the profit, but it's to serve and how you make everyone in the process becomes flourishing. So it's already in the concept anyway. But um, of course, we need to remind people again. Sometimes, you know, they one thing is the concept is good, but the implementation is something different, right? So we really like this project. Four years ago, I wrote a book called Flourishing uh, that began to uh, move away from the, the conventional notions of sustainability toward a much more positive vision uh, to serve, to drive, uh, particularly Western society that I know best, away from where they've been going and towards something I think is the one that we all know is the uh, right way to, to recast our, our sort of modern world. How do we empower communities um, to actually take on um, deep change uh, through their own personal transformation, but also uh, really playing with the key levers of how you shift uh, dysfunctional systems? Leaders in their early professional arc who have a great commitment uh, and sense of connection to self and commitment to um, a cause, if you will, um, that, that brings change into, into society. It was very, very interesting. So this is a company providing janitorial services. So it seems like something that may not be exciting by normal standards. And yet, everybody who was here, first of all, the foresight of the owner of the company to invite people to an event like this is amazing and very impressive to me. But the other thing is, the way people came alive and were energized, by the ideas, and some of these are ideas that they had thought of or created already, but when they started focusing down and saying, well, which ones have the most energy, and they started putting check marks, what are the initiatives that we care about, and they started generating tons of interesting ideas one after the other, and in a short period of time, I would say about half an hour, they had an initiative that is like, you know what, if we just executed on these for the next couple of months, we're good, we've made huge progress in our development. As the focus of the fourth global forum was in flourishing enterprises, it was defined as increasing economic prosperity while contributing to a healthy environment and improving well-being. And I'd like to quote David Cooper Ryder. He says, flourishing enterprise is about people being inspired every day and bringing their whole selves to work. It's about innovation arising from everywhere. It's about realizing remarkable relationship value with stakeholders, customers, employees, communities, and the biosphere to create unprecedented, enduring business advantage. In my conversations, I inquired into high point moments or what potential takeaways might be. 
Yeah, there, there was a moment, um, I think at the very beginning actually, when Chris Laszlo spoke about um, flourishing, um, when there was a moment in which I, I felt I belong, full stop. <laughs> Not that I needed to be sold anything really, uh, but the articulation, the vision that was embedded in those words um, were very hopeful and were very synchronous uh, to what I've always thought, um, even in an academic environment, but then recognizing how academia oftentimes is rewarded for coming up with divisive notions or definitions. And in what I heard actually today was a call for unity, um, sort of shutting off some of these barriers, uh, which is something that we always talk about, but it's kind of hard to do in a system that actually incentivizes you know, the creation of new definitions and, and if you will, conceptual barriers or con conceptual containers. Uh, I think the thing that captured my, my interest mostly was the presentation by Barbara Fredrickson. Um, we, we, there's a lot of talk about consciousness here, um, but which I think is, is, is uh, very important. How we see the world depends on how our brain works. And uh, she offered some very, very um, powerful ways to, uh, to move forward, to actually be, put things into practice that get us out of the mindset that has brought us these issues and into the mindset in which we can get beyond them, create the kind of positive relationships that I, I, I'm absolutely convinced are essential to a flourishing world and begin to uh, see some real progress made. So I found that to be uh, encouraging that there is increasing evidence about how we are as human beings that we can now use to design a better world. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the few events that I've come to and there's just been so many things that have stood out to me. Um, probably the biggest thing is I'm noticing that there's such a strong purpose in all of the people that I'm meeting, all wanting to make the world a better place. And however they're doing it, that seems to be a big intention here. And I really feel like I'm connected to a group of people who um, we're just on the same page in, in some, how, you know, even if we think differently, we're completely diverse, but we, we want that outcome to be um, making the world a better place, whether it's through appreciative inquiry, transforming their business and flourishing as an individual to then be able to transform community. Yeah, so I mean, I've had multiple experiences. Meeting David Cooper Ryder is probably pretty exciting as well because I've been studying his work for such a long time and it's had such an impact on the way I work as well. Um, and then meeting people like yourself and ev everyone I'm meeting, I'm having a connection with and just having really elevated conversations. I think a lot of it is around connections and inspirations. So connecting with people and practices that are um, useful and ultimately in, in my um, game I guess trying to see about educating uh, the next generation of people 
to a world that's very different to the one that we graduated into. It's changing very rapidly. Uh, the change is very unpredictable. Those whose job it is to predict even things as fairly mechanistic as elections are utterly unable to. So I'm, I'm concerned that we in business schools are preparing people adequately for that world and for the kind of transformation and thinking about the common good that it will need for that. Well, um, for me, my commitment is uh, whoever comes to our business school would have to go through this uh, learning, discovery learning process where we are trying to make sure that they have this sustainable mindset and then uh, that they would not, uh, you know, have uh, any um, doubt about this uh, approach that this is the only way to do it. And we even have our own uh, flourishing a project in school where we are giving the students uh, a little investment money, it's only $30, and then ask them to start a micro enterprise and then has to be supporting at least one of the SDG goals. I'm leaving the last words to one of my very first heroes, harking back to my days in organisation development in Australia where my passion started. And that passion is to bring all stakeholders' voices into the space through the lens of participatory design, participatory leadership, organisational learning, systems thinking, whole systems engagement and self-management. And that first hero, along with Meg Wheatley at the same time, is Peter Zengi. Please heed his call. Getting our people engaged, doing stuff that's meaningful is actually the start. Without it, nothing else matters. But then you start to realize, no, actually the larger system is much bigger than anything we can do. And that's where a lot of the real problems come. Uh, the second question that I think kind of uh, epitomizes a lot of the work we've been going, uh, journey we've been on for a long time, and all of our kind of networks of collaboration, and Chris, I know, is quite passionate about this, so I didn't want to start without kind of bringing up the inner and the outer. That, you know, it's a, it's a frame that I think is a natural one. You know, what's on the outside is on the inside. What's on the inside is on the outside. Um, but it's really not small in its implication. You know, you're inviting people on a journey. Well, the journey is to actually improve, transform our enterprises, to improve and transform our larger systems of capitalism and commerce. But they are the way they are because of how we are. And there really isn't an inner and outer. There's just reality. And it's continually manifesting on both levels in our awareness. Um, so um, that's the other part of the journey. And again, those two questions that will sit in the background. How do, what are we learning about the deeper blockages, the deeper impediments, and how we deal with them? And in what way is this journey really a way of bringing human beings back to a, a sense of their own innate course? I've long felt there's a mentor of ours that I'll kind of put his kind of core question out as a kind of a instigation to our conversation. Humberto Monterrada, dear friend, Chilean biologist, who amongst many profound one-sentence statements said, history follows the path of desires. History follows the path of desires. If our desires don't change, our history doesn't change. What new desires? 
are starting to emerge. To learn more about this fourth global forum and find links to many of the points in this episode, please go to the episode's show notes page and you can find that at positivitystrategist.com slash PS68. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows, so grow towards your best. <laughs>